Just a quick heads up that these are adults having adult conversations about things that take place on a show where the adults use a lot of adult language. All this to say there might be some salty language ahead, so please plan accordingly. Human beings never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is to keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. Add that right there to our list of perfect stuff. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Thank you. Ruff, ruff. What would Ted Lasso do? That's the question we explore in each episode of this podcast. We take the lessons we learned from Ted Lasso and apply them to the real world through the lens of leadership and positive psychology. My name is Dimple Dabalia. And I'm Jeff Harry. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it, and that it helps you discover your own lasso way and embrace what it means to believe. Welcome back, everyone. I can't believe we're on the very last episode of everything. Everything <laughs> I mean, of the so whole. Cr- it's crazy. Ride. Yeah. Yes. Today we're talking about season three, episode 12. So long farewell. This one was directed by Declan Loney and written by Brendan Hunt, Bill Lawrence and Jason Sudeikis. And yeah, like there's just so much, but I'm curious. Well, first of all, hello, Jeff. <laughs> hello. I am excited for this last one. Are you excited to be done or are you excited? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I feel the same way as which I feel towards the episode, you know, which like, is it's a perfect way to end. Oh, you know? see, that was yeah. a perfect ending. Yeah. All right. I guess my impressions, I mean, I think they did end it pretty well. Like they tied everyone's stories up and I think Mm -hmm. that's what this was meant to do. But I think it's still for me, like building on the last few episodes where I felt like things felt kind of rushed or whatever. I felt a little bit of that here too, in that I would have liked to have seen like certain things and whatever, but, but I think given how many things they had to tie up, they did a really nice job and yeah. I think they did a phenomenal job. And the reason why I say that is like, I watch Game of Thrones. I've watched, you know, (laughs) Lost. I've watched the end of many, you know, seasons of things, right? And how they, and most of the time they fall flat, man. Heck, I remember sitting down to watch the last Seinfeld episode and people were like, it was horrible, you know? So to do something like this and do it well is really hard. Yeah. The last time I got really good vibes, the way in which I got with this was the last episode of The Wire. Oh. Uh, yeah. Which huh. I consider some of the best TV ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you have any overarching themes for this one or? If I was to think of anything, it would have been closure, mm-hmm. you know, and full circle. So many full circle moments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And full circle moments that you would not have been able to foresee, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning or the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think definitely closure was a big part of this. But also, and I know we'll get to this, but I think there was this 
this whole thing about continuing on with what Ted had said a few episodes ago, which is that we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> because even though like all like the storylines all got wrapped up, everyone's still doing the work, you know? Right. And so that's like, that's going to continue. And there was that beautiful discussion that the Diamond Dogs had, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, you know, just this idea that we we're not meant to be perfect and like we're going to keep working at things. And so, yeah, so that that was like the big theme for me is just like this may end here, but like it's a continuation forever, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's just so many storylines to talk about. So I was thinking maybe to make this easier, we just go down person by person Let's and do it. Do it that way. So let's start with Rebecca since we start in her kitchen anyway. <laughs> and, and she's uh, talking to the TV. She's telling Terry Henry to shut up. And the other thing about this episode, which was interesting, is that there were a lot of callbacks, right? A ton yep. of callbacks to previous episodes and yep. also to homages to, you know, their favorite shows and movies yep. and things like that. And so when we hear Ted, I mean, uh, Rebecca say, you know, shut up. Terry Henry, it's a callback to Beard's episode, right? Mm-hmm. In um, season two, where he keeps saying that to, to Terry Henry. But yeah, so we learned that Rupert is having some issues. <laughs> He's not having the best, he got best time. He did get caught. And then we see Ted saunter into the kitchen. Which and- is so interesting <laughs> because like that is what people had so badly at some point wanted, right? Yeah. So I love that they start off that way because then I was about to be like, oh my gosh, this is rushed. They didn't build this up. You know, I was about to criticize it until Beard walks in with his little Speedo on, (laughs) followed by his girlfriend. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, well done, writers. Well done. I thought that was a really good job. And I also love the interaction where Ted's like, do you want to talk about it? Because then... I'm like, did they sleep together? What had happened? But it was the fact that she was leaving and she and and she was like, well, I'm not ready to talk about it. And that I found very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing with people like shipping them, Ted and Rebecca, the whole like last year has been or two has, years. I uh, mean, maybe I, two thought years. It, I thought it was even the first year they were like, they're definitely going to get together. It could be. But I, yeah, I never wanted that. And it's interesting because Brendan Hunt did a, an ask me anything session on Reddit a couple of weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago now, and got a lot of questions, but a, a big one was about, you know, why didn't they have them get together? And he, he talked about how it's such a common TV trope that we've mm-hmm. gotten used to that like yep. men and women have to end up getting together. And, yep. and he said, you know, but why can't they just have a platonic relationship? And he yeah. says, like, they are genuinely soulmates, but why can't soulmates be platonic, you know? Right. And I thought that that's a really beautiful answer, right? Because it's true. Like, I think that they have a, a great relationship, but I didn't want to see them get together, you know? Yep. yep. And it would have been so cliche anyway. Yeah. But I, I did like it. I thought it was very clever of the writers to kind of acknowledge that that's where people were going mm-hmm. and then kind of shift it. And so that was kind of fun. And then Beard, yeah, Beard and the Thong was just. <laughs> and then he sits on the counter with it. I know. Oh. I was like, oh, gross. And then they were like, and then the, <laughs> the person that was cleaning came in Mina, and was like, I'll yeah. do the guest. I'll do the guest room. And he's like, 
I mean, if you listen to it, he's like, those ropes are yeah. garbage. <laughs> and then he even says some of them are dirty on purpose. And I, I was know. like, oh, I know. In somebody else's house. I was like, oh, so, so gross. bizarre. So, so gross. bizarre. But yeah, so that Mina scene was a callback to when Rebecca had Luca in her kitchen naked. Yep. And so there was that. And then apparently the blazer that Jane comes in wearing. Oh, yeah. Because she says, oh, I went. I hope you don't mind. I went through your wardrobe. <laughs> and found some garbage. And she said, I put on this dress. And Rebecca says, well, yeah. it's it's a blazer, but OK. Yeah. And apparently it's the blazer that she wore in the Christmas episode. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, so I thought that that was kind of cool. Okay, so then that kind of, you know, finishes up. And then we see Rebecca again in her office meeting with Higgins and Keeley. And she's just in a good place, Mm -hmm. right? Like she she doesn't care about Rupert and his divorce. She has no comment about it. Nothing snarky to say, even when it's kind of off the record when Keeley says, you know, like Higgins and I want to know. And like, she's perfectly, she's good now. And I don't know, there was something really like, just nice and settling about that. There's something grounding about that, yeah. right? It's like it's he doesn't occupy her brain anymore, you yeah. know, which is which was the whole first and second season. Yeah. And heck, even almost two and a half seasons, maybe even longer. And the fact that she could help his ex-wife. Yeah. And the other person, right? So yeah. I mean it's like it's such an empowering space to be in because it's like you can't affect me at all. Like you literally yeah. can't you can't take anything else away from me. So that when you're in that grounded place, like that's some Tarana Burke, you know, me too place where it's just like you can take all this stuff away from me and I'm still gonna do the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was that was awesome. That was awesome to see. Yeah. And so as grounded as she is, she's still not ready to talk about Ted leaving. Like she can't think about that. And she said it in the morning when she was talking to him that it's not that she, you know, was upset about him leaving. It was just she couldn't think about him not coming back. Yeah. So Higgins tells her that, you know, she can sell 49% of the club and still retain ownership and make a ton of money. And she asked about selling the whole club because mm-hmm. there's a part of her who feels like, number one, she went into this solely to like destroy Rupert. Right now, she doesn't care. Right. And Ted's leaving. So and she finds out she can get two billion pounds for it. Right. Which is obscene. (laughs) But also, yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, we see her with her mom at the pub and she says, you know, I'm thinking about selling the club. And her mom's like, just do it. You know, just do it. And as she's sitting there thinking about it, we see the pub guys have paid for their bill and actually come up to talk to them to say, to tell her, you know, to thank her and to say, you know, that all that she's done for the club, that she's inspiring. And then they go on to say that she's kind of like the mother that they never had. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was kind of funny because her mom had just finished talking about Tish, the yep. psychic, right? Yep. And that was one of the things that she had said is you're going to become a mother. And so, you know, this is one aspect of that, right? Right. Like, right. And even in one of the articles, they she says that they describe her as the matriarch of the team, mm-hmm. right? Or the mm-hmm. club. I just thought that was such a beautiful scene because it shows those three guys pooling their money. They're like pooling their money to yeah. figure out how they can buy her a drink. And they clearly can't afford. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. clearly can't. But like they, you know, this is everything for them. Like this is 
this is their life, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's so nice of them to buy the drinks and then to thank her. Yeah, and you could see almost her tearing up a bit. Yeah. As she's being thanked by them, you know, mm-hmm. and then it gets all weird when he when they mention the grandma part. But, you know, <laughs> but still, it was just that's such a it's such a sweet gesture. Yeah. From those three that probably have been watching that team their whole life struggle their whole life. And just thinking about like I moved to Oakland in 2002 and watching the Golden State Warriors lose for almost 15 years like yeah. it sucks yeah to watch yeah. it over and over again and to watch it for your whole life and then to finally see what you've always wanted like that makes you feel like you're invincible yeah you know for sure and for sure. and she helped do that yeah and it's just like you know what we've talked about along the season that you don't often know the impact that you're mm-hmm. having on other people right yep like yep. it's it's one of those things that we do the things that we do and sometimes we get to hear about the impacts and whatnot but but we're probably touching people in ways that we don't even realize you know right right so, right and we'll never know yeah so i yeah. love that and it also i also i don't know if it was a callback but it was just awesome because i i when i saw those three i remember when they got on the pitch mm, yeah and they were so excited beer, like yeah and they were so excited so like yeah yeah, I love those. They might be some of my favorite characters. Yeah, they're really cute. They're really cute. And that like the two, the one who was like the most obnoxious has grown on me a little bit. But like right. all three of them are like really. Um, yeah, it's been really nice to see. So then Rebecca's finally ready to talk about it. And she goes and finds Ted and he's sitting in the stadium. And it's kind of like the opening scene, right? Like the, I mean, the opening credits. Which I've never seen him sit in the stands. Right. Well, no, he's been in the stands before. I don't remember it. I don't. When was the last time? Oh, maybe not. In You're right. No, he hasn't. He's been on the training pitch in the seats. Right. Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. You're right. So I was like, oh, this yeah. is such an interesting because I've also never saw the stadium look so big. Yeah. That's true. It felt so much bigger. The only time we do see it is in the opening credits when he's sitting there and the Ted Lasso theme music is playing. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I thought this was an interesting conversation because it was so one-sided initially. (laughs) It was, was, yeah. It was great. Yeah. And so it was just a lot of her... You know, I'm. she's ready to talk. She's decided to sell the club. If you go, I go. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't say anything. And then she says, well, there is another option. We both stay. And then she follows that up with, you know, I respect your need to go home. But, you know, she wants him to consider like there are a lot of great things that, you know, and and the fact that this has kind of become his home in a lot of ways. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And then she tells him that, you know, if she sells the 49 percent, she could make him one of the highest paid coaches, which she knows that he's not in it for the money. He knows yep. that he's not in it for the money. And this whole time, he's just quiet. And then she says, this is the part where you say you need to sleep on it. And I say, okay. And we go, we do the same thing again tomorrow. That's such good writing, by the way. Yeah. And there was one other part that I thought was really powerful, too, was Rebecca had outlined what he can do with his family. Yeah. Yeah. So she clearly laid it out because she was just like, you know, your kid can go to one of the best schools. 
your wife or your ex-wife can teach here and then come back as a department head. Like she had really thought about every mm-hmm. single scenario. So that just showed me how much she cared and really had thought about this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. Like that conversation, like really made me cry. And I'm sitting here right now and I'm getting teary, like just thinking oh, wow. about oh. it. Oh, wow. It was, I just thought it was really powerful. And like, and then she says, you know, she realizes like he already knows what he's going to do. And she, she says that and he nods and he says, yeah, I do. And she said, well, I had to try. And she said, that's settled. Then we both go, but they ended on a little bit of a chuckle with, cause she says she should travel. And he says, oh, you mean like eat, pray, love style. And she says, no more like drink, sleep, fuck style. Nice. <laughs> Which she did in Amsterdam. Hello. Well, she did the drink and sleep. Oh, she didn't actually sleep with the guy. Oh, she didn't sleep with the guy. Mm -mm. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that was really cool here, and again, just never know if this is intentional or, you know, I kind of feel like it probably is, but they're seated in seats 152 and 153. Mm. And this is just really fascinating. So Ted is in seat 152. And so the number 152 symbolizes the closing of old phases and paving the way for new beginnings to positively help affect your life. It also carries a message of believing in yourself, focusing on your dreams and cultivating a better understanding of the world. Wow. Isn't that crazy? What about 153? And so then 153... The message is that exciting new changes are coming your way. And by focusing on your strengths and virtues, you'll achieve great things. And so I just thought that that was like so interesting, you know, that's badass and so detailed. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both, you know, moving on to other things and in a way like, it's sad, but it's also that's life, right? Like we mm-hmm. make these choices and we do these things. And so I thought they really like, I, I really loved the conversation because it wasn't her saying that. And then him being like, okay, yeah, no, you know what? I will say, or, you know, like it yeah. was like, no, yeah. like I know this is what I need to do right now, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of Rebecca. And then we'll do the ending montage all as one piece. So we can like yeah. close out everybody, but but let's move on to the team because the oh, do you not want to talk about the Rebecca saying goodbye at the airport? Yeah. Oh, we can talk about that. That's fine. Go ahead. Well, what what did you think first of all? A, I think it's awesome that she bought a first class ticket. I know just that to was get a, through. that's a lot. That's a lot. All I could keep thinking as I watched that scene though is I was like, those tears have to be real. Like, I mean, those I'm, tears did look real, right? Like, that I feel was, like that was not acting. That was no, like, that was not acting, when she no. said thank you. Like, I think she was genuinely like thanking Jason slash Ted. Right. I agree. But again, I just thought it was really beautiful. She wasn't there to try to like, you know, one last like let one me get last. You to, yep. It was just like I wanted to say goodbye properly. And uh, I just. You know, and it's one of those things where it was like there was nothing really left to say except thank you. This is why I love the writing, because they could have filled it with more words. And you were thinking they were because he's like, they say thank you at the same time. They're like, no, no, you go. No, now you go. And the thank you, like the thank you acting like you could feel the gravitas of each thank you. And then the hug. 
I mean, you know, and then he looks back. So you're thinking she might say one more thing and then she doesn't say that thing. So all of that was just awesome. I just thought all of that acting was just phenomenal. But then the other part for Rebecca was the fortune teller stuff potentially coming true because she leaves the airport and some random girl is running up to her and then falls Mm -hmm. and then she helps her up and it's the guy it's Amsterdam guy and he's a he's a pilot (laughs) so it's just and she's gonna be traveling anyway she's got a first class ticket so you know she wants to travel anyway so you're like oh yes well she she's not actually using that ticket right no 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 you know but she but she's she's in travel mode (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, he just happens to be a pilot. How lucky. Yeah. So I just loved that. Yeah. I, I mean, I that. think that made a lot of people happy because we had been waiting for him to come back into the picture. Right. And then you see him again. Yeah. During the montage. Yeah. Which That's... a part of me is wondering, was that real or not? Because did Ted just dream it because he did wake up. So you don't know. Right. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, you know, there were a lot of random stuff in that montage, but <laughs> If true, like that's really special. Yeah. You know? Well, and so that little girl, it's the same little girl who was in the mirror in the international break episode where Rebecca looks in the mirror and she sees like her inner child. Oh, it's the really? same little girl who played both parts. Yeah. And wow. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. And one other random thing that she also saw was she saw her, one of her exes, the ex that she broke up with. He broke his nose during the match. Oh, yeah. John Wings night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's just like, again, so many full circle moments for her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get back to the rest of her kind of ending in a bit. But so in terms of the team, we start out with the team and they're um, holding locker room court. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Honorable Judge McAdoo. (laughs) And again, As a play guy, I just kept seeing attunement throughout the entire episode of people just literally playing just and all in in the play. Everyone, you know, from them doing the court to them donating in the box, you know, just like all of it, all in just willing to play and not willing to be judgmental. I just loved it. Yeah. Well, and so it's kind of a callback to the Christmas episode where he was Santa up there, right? Mm-hmm. Like Santa McAdoo. And he was also, remember, he was haircut McAdoo, too. He was haircut McAdoo, too. Uh, and now he's Judge McAdoo. And they're assessing fines for different things, which I thought was really funny. And so here we learn that Nate is back as not just the assistant kit man, but assistant to the kit man. Assistant to the kit man. <laughs> The Wonderkin, <laughs> <laughs> which is a nice little homage to the office, right? So Dwight Schrute's assistant to the regional manager. Right, right. And it's interesting. So online, there was like a lot of chatter. I was reading like people saying like, why, why would he go back into that position? Like they should have made him a coach. He should have come back as head coach. He should have, you know, like all this stuff. And in going back to like assistant to the Kitman was actually a downgrade. And what kept coming up for me as I was reading that stuff was that you know, we learned in that episode where he played the violin that he really wants to like enjoy what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And the stress of 
you know, managing a team and stuff like mm-hmm. I don't that's not really his cup of tea, you know. And right. so I think coming back into that position, like he's happy, you know, like yeah. he was he was happy working at Taste of Athens, you know, exactly. he, didn't, he didn't see that as like a step down. He just saw yeah. that as like I'm doing something that I feel good about. And so to me, like, that's what that was about. It's like, it's not that he, that they downgraded him or that he, down, it's it's just, he's in this place where he's like, yeah, like I, I just really want to be happy. And also just, I want to be part of something bigger than me, right? Yeah. I want to be part yeah. of community. Yeah. And also the other idea of like, if he's just coming back for the last few games, like or the last game, yeah, he wouldn't be put in a high position anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like just the fact that he's like there as a consultant would be like a you know still a big deal. So I just love that he jo- like it just shows his level of humility. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. after so long of being like because remember when he was leaving, he was like everyone's stealing my ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, and what how, how is Ted Ted just borrowing all my ideas and now? It doesn't really matter. And taking credit for them. And taking credit for him. And the fact that he brings out the box from f- the first season. Yep. And the mockery that he used to deal with with that box. And then all of a sudden he goes up to Tart, who used to mock that box. And instead, Tart donates even more money to the box. You're just like, talk about two people that have come full circle right two people that have totally changed who they are in the span of three seasons that was just i found that probably one of my most powerful parts to just watch tart and nate right next to each other oh for sure and not only does he put in the extra money but he he says like don't tell anyone i did you know and that that's so different from what jamie was before where he wanted everyone to know everything he was doing and it's interesting because someone pointed out that like he in season one, he's wearing the icon hat, right? Because he really yep. thought he was the icon, but now he's wearing the icog. So I comma C-O-G. Oh, interesting. And he sees himself now as a cog in this machine of Richmond total football, right? And nice. even the the announcers at one point talk about how he's a cog in this machine or whatever, you know? And so it's like those kinds of shifts that have happened, which are huge. I mean, they're they're really huge. But the fees themselves were pretty funny. So we've got Jan Moss late for training, 200 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Rojas for not texting happy birthday to a teammate, 100 pounds, which he tried to object to. And then Nate for missing every match training and meeting 5,000 pounds. And he was I like, love that like, actually. Yeah. 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 Cause they included and also him. he got paid so much money. So yeah, he exactly. can afford five grand. Oh, like, sure. whatever. Yeah. 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 For sure. But yeah, like he was a part of the team again, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was really nice. And that provided the open bar and live band karaoke. <laughs> That's very key. <laughs> very key. I wish we would have gotten to see that. And so then on the pitch for training, Ted, you know, looks at Roy and he's like, yeah, you can go ahead and end it. You know, he and Beard didn't want to make a big deal about it being their last training. And Roy just kind of looks at both of them and he's like. And gives them a pat. (laughs) (laughs) And so the team sings So Long Farewell, right? Which is the title of this episode. And then also a song from The Sound of Music. Such an awesome song originally, but even better. Even yeah. better done by the team. Yeah, it was really adorable. And I don't know if you noticed, but Roy singing along again. I know, quietly. 
Yeah. But it, it does give you the sense that he chose the song because we heard a few episodes ago that he had a thing for Julie Andrews in A Sound of Music. Oh, wow. so, so it's it's very likely that he chose the song and then trained these guys to do this right and this is the second dance they've done because remember they did the bye 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 dance yeah but what was that for i forgot what that was it was, was for because some... dr sharon was leaving oh right and right, so they were right. they were going to do it but then they didn't get a chance to do it they right get a because... chance to do it yeah and then in season one, they didn't do a dance, but they did the high boss where they all laid down on the field. Yeah, I remember. And that. so, yeah. yeah, so they've done something kind of big each season. And I love that Will's got this huge boom box up like John Cusack and say anything. Right. Yep. Yep. Because in the bye bye bye, he just had it. He was holding his iPhone up. Right. <laughs> like the right. boom box. Right. But now he's fully committed. Even the kit man's fully committed. He was yeah. even fully committed to calling order when Judge McAdoo was in session. Yeah, yeah. But I love that it's not just the team. Like, by the end of the song, everyone is waving. Like, all the fans who are now regulars at the training. Practice. Like, uh, they're yeah. there to watch. Yep. And yep. all of them are standing up. They're waving. <laughs> and then I see, you see Beard wipe the tears from his eyes. And Ted just says that was perfect, and everyone just goes nuts. They go, and, that would, they go nuts, nuts. Like yeah. you could clearly see that this is like a cathartic moment for a lot of a lot of them, a lot of the actors. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It was really Even cute. Trent went crazy, and I was like, "What is Trent doing?" I love how fun Trent has become. I know, right? It's like, yeah, it's like he's more in his skin. Than he ever was, you know, ever was. Yeah, ever was. Yeah. And so then we get to the big game and we initially find out that the team was founded in 1897. And since mm -hmm. then, they've been a picture of mediocrity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so to your point about like the guys from the pub, like being so happy to see a win, you know, like if this is how their team has played this whole time, then that is a huge, huge deal. Right. And so in those kind of opening shots, as we see all the like people coming to the stadium and all of that, we see a lot of old characters come back, right? A lot so, of, lot of characters. Yeah. So we saw Shannon and she, we didn't see her much this season at all, I think. And so it was good to see her back. Wait, the doctor? You're talking about the doctor? No, Shannon, the girl who used to play soccer with Ted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. We see the wanker guy and it looks like he may be with his grandson or something. <laughs> yeah. John Wings Knight and his fiance. Yep. Not barely getting a ticket, you know? Yeah. Yep. And then getting, you know, his nose broken. And somehow he ended up with Zorro's mask, like the clear mask. Yeah. We got the old couple from the rom com episode from season two. Oh, yeah. Colin's boyfriend. He yeah. picks up his ticket as Winona Judd. Yep. <laughs> and then we've got Michelle and Henry watching with her boyfriend, Jake. Ugh, Jake. Yeah, like who could who, who does not, not care. Yeah, he does not care at all. And you can tell she's a little bit annoyed. Yeah. And then you've got Dr. Sharon who's watching from some hotel room somewhere in wearing England, a Dallas presumably. Cowboys shirt. <laughs> I couldn't I didn't know what that reference was, but I was like, oh, a little Dallas Cowboys. Okay. That's funny. The other part I will say that I really loved was the three fan the three uh gentlemen fans. Mm -hmm. that were there earlier. I love that the most vocal one was like, well, what will we do if they win? Yeah, we have nothing to aspire like, to. Nothing to aspire to. There's nothing more. And it was like, that is so real 
for sports fans <laughs> where they're like their whole life. They've just been dreaming about this, that like this is where all the meaning has come from. Yeah. So I love that May then challenges him. Well, then go find someone and settle down. He's like, nah, boring. So, yeah, that was good. All right. So then you've got the guys all in the all the coaches gathered in the office. And Ted's still going on about that same, you know, I can't believe like the Champions League and Championship League and this right. and that. And then Nate comes it in. It is confusing. It is quite confusing. <laughs> it is kind of confusing. There's yes. so many leagues. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And also the names, like some are similar and then it doesn't really make sense. Like why, if you're downgraded, you're in the cha- like champions. Yeah. champions. Like Wrexham's in the Champions League. Now, because they moved up. Yeah. But yeah. they're not in the well, they're Champ- in the championship. They're in the championship, but league. not the champions. But league. no, but no, but you gotta, you gotta get yeah. to the top level and then hopefully play internationally in the Champions League. So it is, yeah. it's very confusing. It is very confusing. But then Nate comes by to wish everyone good luck, and it was just like this, like his normal awkward self again, right? Like where he's yeah. trying, like trying to wish them luck, but then yep. trying to explain his explanation and. Then not cursing them and then being like, I hope I didn't curse you. Yep. Yeah. And then Higgins is there and comments on how, oh, this feels really familiar. Mm-hmm. And Trent right away is like, oh, well, let me let me give you all a chance to let me step out and give you guys a chance to mm-hmm. catch up. And I love that uh, he's like, Ted says, oh, Trent House Magazine. Trent House Magazine. <laughs> uh-uh. And he's now a part of, he's now a diamond dog. So he even does the poodle diamond dog because he's such such a poodle. Like, (laughs) but the big news here is that Roy actually asks to become a diamond dog. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Which earlier in the episode, he was like, nope, nope, nope. Yep. And now he like asked them and. And I love that they all take their original seats. Like, yep. you know, Higgins is on the windowsill and Nate clears off the bookshelf that he used to sit on. And, you know, and then Roy says, right, like I've I spent the past year busting my ass trying to change, but I haven't because I'm mm. still me. Mm. And Ted says, well, did you want to be someone else? And he says, yes, yeah, someone better. Mm. And then asks the question about can people change? And it's just interesting to see all of their responses. Right. So Trent yeah. says. You know, I don't think we change as much as we learn to accept who we've always been. Which is interesting that Trent says that, right? Why? Why? Because Trent, thinking about, you know, coming out, yeah. right? the yeah. whole coming out story, and him also just accepting himself. Exactly. The, the vulnerable Trent self, the one that's willing to even hand draft copy to be criticized, right? Yep. He seemed so vulnerable during that time and being like, I just hope you like it. Right. Yeah. So that answer was, yeah, very yeah. relevant. And then yeah. Nate. Yeah. And so then Nate is in a different place. Right. So Nate mm-hmm. says, well, I think people can change. And then he acknowledges sometimes for the worse and sometimes for the better. Right. And then Roy says, well, I'm still the same fucking idiot I've always been. And Ted says, well, agree to disagree. Like you piped up and actually asked to be a diamond dog. Yeah. And then that's when we heard Beard talk about you know change isn't about trying to be perfect because perfectionism sucks and our uh, perfection sucks perfect is boring and then they give him all, you know like all the different like lists right. of perfect things and then he says well perfection in people yeah 
And then I think we get to the heart of it with Higgins's response, right? So human beings are never going to be perfect. The best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. And I think like that is like at the heart of all of this, right? All of the whole time they've been here since the very beginning. Exactly. Even even what Ted said to Trent in that Indian restaurant Mm -hmm. the first time. Yeah. And then reiterated by Pep Guardiola later on. It's just like trying to slowly help even them get a little better every day. And I think we would we as a people and we individually would be so much better if we spent more time acknowledging that in ourselves and in others. Yeah. But that's the problem, right? Like we spend so much time trying to or or hiding behind this mask of perfectionism where we try to not be vulnerable. We try to, you know, not make it seem like we don't, especially if we're like leaders that we don't know the answer to something Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. But, and then because we do that and we hold ourselves to that standard, we hold everybody else to that standard. And so when they don't meet it, we get judgmental and we, you know, and it, and it, that's what starts to cause the problems. But so, yeah, like if we can acknowledge like, Hey, I'm human, I'm not perfect. And I'm going to ask for help when I need it because that's what you do instead of trying to like fake it or trying to do it on your own. You ask for help because there's people around you who maybe that's like what you need help with is the thing that they're actually really good at, you know? Yeah. And what what's interesting about you saying that is I think of all of the people that watched and criticized Lasso mm-hmm. is because they criticize because... They almost wanted to put a perfectionist exactly. lens mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. As they were probably critical of themselves, they were, started being critical of the show. And it's just like, no, that's part of the progress of the show. The whole point is it's messy. Yeah. Right. And there are going to be episodes you may not like as much and it's yeah. not going to satisfy you each and every time. But that's also part of the whole experience of it. It's yeah. just like, ebbing and flowing and i feel like the easier we can be on ourselves the easier we can then be on everyone else and i think the reason why you and i resonate is because we both came from that positive psychology like Mm -hmm. programming and and background where it is all about celebrating what's really good about people rather than being like what's another thing that's wrong with you because the rest of psychology focuses on what's wrong and we're like Let's focus on what's going really well. You and know? then build on that. And build on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's just something about this idea, right? Like we talked about, I think it was the last episode about Roy being stuck and how often because of these stories that we tell ourselves about mm-hmm. how terrible we are and like we get down on ourselves because we messed up or we had to ask for help or whatever, we stay stuck in that loop, right? And it's not a fun place to be. And so this idea of recognizing our own humanity and then asking for, you know, being in community with other people, because mm-hmm. we as human beings, we need that as well, right? We're connected for hardwired for connection. And so doing those two things, like it allows us to get unstuck and yeah. and keep moving forward so that we're not just like in this place of misery all the time. And so yeah. I just, it was such a beautiful way of explaining it though. Yeah, it's interesting how you say it, because I'm like, 
the more you focus on being stuck, the more you're stuck. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like you're, yeah, it's as if you're like walking up a mountain and you're like, man, I have so much more to go. And then you're just sitting, you're just standing there just being like, well, let me count how many more steps I need to do rather than just being like, let me just do one. I'm just, let me just do this one. Or looking and back me, to be me, like, oh, how yeah. Far and look, come. Exactly. And look at yeah, that. Look for celebrate what I've done so far and mm-hmm. then just focus on the next one rather than constantly being. Yeah. And I feel like that a lot of times we get it's part of the capitalistic patriarchal stuff of like, you know, well, you have so much far further to go, you know? Yeah. And that's again, also, that is the process of like not being present, right? Like not mm-hmm. having joy in the moment, right? I think what's so magical about this season and probably all three seasons with Ted was people were enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. And even if it's ending, there's something magical about the fact that it's ending and there's something feeling grateful about it rather than the whole time being like, well, you know, this is eventually going to end. So let's just, you know, mm-hmm. like allowing yourself to feel the all of the emotions throughout the entire adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they end it there and they all start barking and Roy gives a rough, rough. <laughs> that was cute. And then he asks, does anyone else want to go? And I love that Nate then chimes in and says that he now has a girlfriend and everyone's so mm-hmm. happy for him. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and she is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I thought that was really sweet. That is so sweet. Yeah. All right. So then there's just all kinds of mayhem going on, right? Rupert runs into George Cartwright, who is now the coach of West Ham or the manager of West Ham. The balls guy. The balls guy. With his, with his short shorts. Yep. Which we saw in the very first episode, right? When Rebecca fired him because he was the coach of for Richmond. Mm-hmm. And so he then goes up to the box and and I loved like Rebecca. She just she was so just hurt. She was just like grounded. Be, yeah. Yeah. Grounded. Exactly. You know, she kisses him below. And then she's just in that space where she's got like the broadened viewpoint too, right? Yeah. Where she's like, you're such a lucky man. And yeah. you, you see him kind of like, like what? And yeah. she says, I mean, no matter what happens today, a team that you love wins. And in his eyes, like, that's not a, you know, first of all, like he, he too did what he did to get back at her. Uh-huh. And he's still in that place of just uh-huh. wanting to win. And then you see Sassy. <laughs> uh-huh. And Sassy's not as generous as Rebecca. No, still sassy. Still sassy. But yeah, I loved, you know, I heard the news. Looks like you're going to lose another team. You go through them like wives or mistresses mistresses or tubes of hemorrhoid cream. I wish you the best because you are the fucking worst. You are the <laughs> fucking worst. I just love that. Such good writing. Yeah. And, and there was this other moment that I noticed, you know, where... Rupert turns to his like crew of West Ham people, I guess, or yes, people Mm. that he had brought. And he was just like, oh, this is where all the beautiful people are. And they all laugh. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just I felt sad for him. Mm. It just seemed so lonely, you know, like that. He has so much power, all this stuff. And he's just so disconnected from his own humanity. Mm hmm. And he just looked angrier than I have ever seen him. (laughs) Yeah. And he proceeds to get angrier as the game goes on. Right. Like he has his moments where he's happy when they score and whatnot. But 
we've got like the team initially. So before the the game, Will brings in a care package for them from Zava. Oh my gosh! With, forgot with, about with it. the massive avocado. It seems so long ago now. Like yeah. I I feel like it was another season with Zava. I know, right? Yeah. And then Danny gives Van Dam a new gift, which or I mean a gift which is a new mask, and so now he looks like a superhero. And he switches from Van Damme to Zorro, not Zorro, but Zorro. <laughs> it's a lot of name switching. It's a lot of name switching. I don't even know what his first name is now. What was his first name? See, that's a good question. Oh my goodness, we're gonna have to look that up. We'll look. Yeah, up. I don't know. And then beards at the board, and I know, like, I kind of paused it because I was curious what he was writing up there. And they had the three pillars of the Richmond Total Football. But they had it as like these little people, you know, and so Mm -hmm. like awareness and versatility were holding hands and that equals like leads to conditioning or something like that. But Beard was writing fourth thing question mark because they never came up with what the fourth thing was. Right. right? And then there's no pep talk from Ted because he's tapped out. But Beard Beard makes a, a motivating video and I'm putting motivating in air quotes. But we see that it's actually like it's so sentimental and everyone's like in tears. It's so good, though. It's so good. All the best parts. Right. Yeah. 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 And I know it really kind of warmed my heart as I was watching all those. Oh, my goodness. The Christmas episode. McAdoo running and having fun. That's when Roy left the press box. Like, just like. Nate leaping into Ted's arms, like all of them. That's but I think so- that some of those scenes were actually the guys like outside of act, like when they were out on their own, not like as part of the show. Yeah. Like oh, the one like where be. they're at the amusement park on the water ride and stuff. Because right. right. these guys hang out together all right. the time. And so or even the conga line. There was the conga line. I've never no, seen the, the conga con- line. We didn't see it initially. But, but no. remember when Ted showed Beard the video of Nate hiding? Oh, they did. do. The con- yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But there were so many in there that I have to like rewatch that part because I, I loved it so much. Yeah. yeah. And so then we get to the game itself and or the match itself. And West Ham scores twice in the first half. Wait, but before that, they were crying during the lineup. Yeah, during the lineup. Yep. And so at the half, when they go back in, we finally get Ted's final monologue. Right. Mm. And what I noticed is that he's wearing the same shoes he wore in season one, episode 10, which Mm. is the red. I think they're Nike's. And that's when he talks to the team about, you know, it's okay to be sad as long as mm-hmm. we're not alone and nobody here is alone and that kind of thing. And the red shoes, I think, are a reference to the ruby red slippers that Dorothy wears in mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz, right? Because there's a lot of Wizard of Oz references. And so he's just kind of thanking them. You know, it's an honor, it's been an honor to be your coach. Thank you for your mm-hmm. patience. You know, I didn't know anything about soccer. And now I know at least one thing about football. Proud to be a part of this team. And then, you know, regarding the second half, I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't want to know the future. We want to be here right now. And so we've talked about this theme in the past, right? Like this theme of being here now in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And then he says, but, you know, if you all play hard, play smart and play together. And then he turns around to look at where the belief sign used to be. Right. And it's not there anymore. But he says, just do what you all do and we'll go with peace of mind knowing we did our best and that we tried. 
And then he says, does anyone else want to say something? And then, oh my God, that magical moment, right? Mm -hmm. Of everyone, like they've all been carrying it with them, pieces of Mm -hmm. the sign, right? Yeah. And it was just so beautiful how they like brought it all together and... And carrying it in different places, Yes, right? yes. Different parts of, you know, some of them like in their jerseys, some of them in books they or journals. Like it was, yeah, it was just so beautiful. Yeah. And Jamie pulls it out of the book and the book that he has is The Beautiful and the Damned, which was the book that Ted had originally given him mm. back in season one that he had thrown away. And so we see now that he's reading it again and stuff. And so that's kind of nice. But yeah, it was just, oh my gosh, it was, it was really lovely. And then how the team all works together to put it back together. Right. And that, that a talk about play, right? Like yeah. they're already playing. They've been playing the whole time. The McAdoo, all, you know, the judging, all that stuff. And again, in the middle of one of the most important games of their whole life. They're making a puzzle together. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, they should be talking strategy. They should be doing all these focused things. And instead they're playing and becoming attuned with each other. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't give credit for that magic, that unsaid magic mm-hmm. of, of doing something together collectively. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just so beautiful when they put their hands together and they say, you know, one, two, three, AFC Richmond, and they lift it up and you see the side. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it reminds me of Kintsugi. You know? Well, I was going to mention this afterwards, but I don't know if you noticed, but Nate actually glued the sign together back with gold glue. Oh, it's the gold glue. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So we got that reference back to Kintsugi. Yeah. Love it. I love it. And Ted says, so there it is, number four, believe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the fourth part of their total football. And so now, you know, they're back together as a unit. They're out there. And we hear from the announcers, 